It goes without saying that uh, as we have all seen within the last month that we are living in days of uncertainty, days of trouble in our world, days of economic uncertainty, days of wondering what is going on, what is going to happen as we look at the things that are happening and, and praying, continuing to pray for the people of Ukraine and how it even affects us here uh, in, in the U.S., we, we have a lot to pray for. We have a lot to trust God for. And, you know, one of those things has been in these days of uncertainty has been uh, economic trouble for many people. Many people have uh, hopefully have gained jobs, but now we are dealing with inflation and gas prices and interest rates, heights, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, it's, it can be troubling. It can be overwhelming, expect, especially for those who have maybe built their whole life and working towards some type of retirement and see it maybe changing before their eyes. It can be troubling. And, you know, in all of those things and all the thoughts about what is going to be of our life to come and uh, the future days ahead of us on the earth, uh, it's uncertain. And the Bible teaches us about this. The Bible teaches us that no one is promised tomorrow we are just promised today. We just have to deal with today's trouble. And then we're talking about this as we're dealing with uh, economic days of uncertainty. And although our economy is uncertain, God's economy is certain. And God's economy is promised to last forever. And that's what I want to talk to you this morning about is God's economy. How God's economy works in this great big thing called the world and the heaven and earth and this universe that we're all living in and time and space and where we're going to be in the future and where we are now and our rewards for heavenly gain. What would it all be like? And God's economy, as you will see here this morning, is very, very different from our present economy. Our present economy is focused, much like the Egyptians were focused on in their day, is acquiring wealth so that I might do something with it at my latter point of life. Maybe it's to leave an inheritance. Maybe it's to live my days in retirement, whatever it might be. Uh, our, economy, our, our, our economy is focused and centered towards this. We live in this capitalist economy where it's constantly competitive and going against each other and trying to uh, make gains when we can. And it's definitely troubling and uncertain when you try to rest it all on that. But God's economy is certain. And I hope today that you will leave encouraged knowing that what we do for the Lord will last. But what we do for the world, it'll just go like that. It's a moment and a twinkling of an eye. The Bible teaches us about this, and Jesus taught a lot about this, actually. Jesus taught a lot about how we are to live our lives presently. The Bible talks about it, Hebrews has talked about it, and we've studied this within the past few months, how the Bible calls us strangers, aliens, exiles, that we are just here temporarily. And when you think about uh, 90, 100 years, 120 years in the scope of eternity, it is just so small. It's so small when you think about it, even compared to the span of history and how much time you and I have to make an effect, it is very limited. And Jesus dealt with some people who were dealing with their last will and testament. They were trying to figure out, what am I going to do with all the things that I have? Who is going to get what when I die? And Jesus addresses them very directly about how to deal with their earthly possessions. And we're going to read this morning, Luke chapter 12, verse 13. It says, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, 
tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. Uh, I'm sure lots of attorneys have heard that before, right? There's, this is this constant thing that happens, that something happens when people get to end of life, that there is this divide that happens, and it's proof of what happens in what, G, what Paul tells Timothy, that the love of money is the root of all evil, that this divides family, it tears families apart when they get to, and there's this lump sun up ahead of them, but Jesus points them in a different direction. And he said to him, friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take care. Watch this. Here's this guy is worried about who's going to get my possessions. And Jesus goes in a different direction. He says, take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. All kinds of greed. Think about this for a minute. Here is this guy. He's thinking about what's going to happen with his life. And Jesus calls it greed. That's, that's something to think about. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Ouch. And then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. And then he said to him, I will do this. I'm going to pull down my barns and I'm going to build bigger ones. Bigger, better, greater. Sounds like something that is common in our culture. And there I will store all of my grain and all of my goods. It reminds me of uh, these people who oftentimes, were in even our own lives and families, where we, we have garages and we pack it full of stuff and we say, oh, I've run out of room, so I've got to build another garage for all of my stuff. This is just the reality of our world. And he says, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many Years. Now, I want you to pay attention because here's this guy speaking to himself. And he's deceiving himself in this. He says, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. Ooh, this is hard teaching here. These are hard words that Jesus is delivering to this man. And, and as you read this here today, it is very much just like the American dream that we've all been so allured to believe. But Jesus speaks to him and calls him away from a life that is focused on accumulating possessions. And he calls him a fool for even trying to consider that. He says, this very night, uh-oh, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose are they going to be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. This is hard teaching here today. It's hard teaching because you and I live in a culture that has taught us to believe this. We live in a world that has taught us to believe that this is the pinnacle of success, economic gain, economic uh, structure at the end of our lives, etc., etc., however you want to interpret it for your own life. But Jesus calls them in a different way. And compare this story to the story of Joseph, for perhaps for just a moment of consideration. Here, this man built barns to store his stuff so that one day he himself could enjoy it all. But Joseph, when the days of famine came, he put it all up in the storehouse so that when famine came, he could have it to give to his brothers. And who got the reward between the two? Joseph did. In days of economic uncertainty, the Bible calls us towards an economy that is focused on King Jesus that is certain beyond all measure. 
There, it doesn't matter the currency, or the, the value of the dollar. It doesn't matter the stock market, what the Dow Jones is reading today. It doesn't matter this thing or that thing that we've all been led to believe. The economy of God is certain regardless of financial measure. And as a matter of fact, you're going to see here today, what God considers wealthy has nothing to do with money. What God considers wealthy is how you and I love Him and love others. What God considers wealthy is what you and I use the resources that we have been entrusted so that we can love God faithfully and love others. And so this morning, I want to take you on just a little bit of a journey here today. And we're going to look at some, some things that God promises a reward for. And this is by no means a comprehensive list. This is just a general overview. But it gives us a feel of what God is talking about in His economy that He promises to reward. Because you realize that you and I, as we are serving the Lord, what we are doing right now, all that we do for Jesus and all that we do unto others, what we are doing is like we do with our finances. We are investing we are in investing in a world that we have not yet beheld with our eyes, but as a world that you and I are soon going to dwell in for eternity. And if we are so focused on investing right now in our lives, on years of to come that we don't even know how long it might be, but we know is going to be just like that, gone before us, how much more important is it for us to make sure that we are investing in a place that we know we are going to live in for eternity? It's important, and it's important to the Lord as well. And so this morning, I want to take you through this overview, and, and, and this is going to be a few scriptures here today, but just hang in there with me, and I promise you, you'll see the big picture. Sometimes it helps for us, and you're talking about things and subjects of the Bible, to take that 3,000, 30,000 view perspective and overview and look and see what is God talking about that is important. And as Jesus said, to that man, that parable of that man. So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. So this asks the question, how do we become rich toward God? All of us, we want to be rich right now. We, we'd love to. It makes life, it seems like it makes life easier. We've been led to believe that so to be. But here Jesus teaches us that if you want to be rich toward God, here's the way to do it. The Bible teaches us a few things here today. The first one is in Colossians chapter 3. He says this, that whatever task you put yourselves into it, as done for the Lord and not for your masters, since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you serve the Lord Christ. There is a reward for working unto the Lord. There is a reward for you and I as you and I faithfully right now on earth as if we work right now as if we are serving Jesus. Imagine how our jobs would change if we shifted our heart and our motive and perspective away from just trying to get a paycheck to serving the Lord with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Imagine how our lives would be changed and the perspectives of our futures would change if we shifted what we are doing now to say, I'm not doing it unto my coworker. I'm not doing it unto my boss or my manager. I'm doing it unto King Jesus. Imagine how it would change the way we lived our lives right now. 
And this is what Paul is telling the church in Colossians, that whatever our task that we put ourselves into, it doesn't matter whatever it is, whether we're going to the grocery store, whether we're going to manage big accounts at our job, or whether we're going to go and fill out our homework for whatever school that we're at, whatever it may be, whatever task we put ourselves into it, the Bible calls us to do it unto the Lord. Not for your masters, not for the people over you, not to please the people around you, but to please King Jesus. Paul says in a later part of the New Testament that if I try to please men, then I become a slave to those people and I'm bound up. I can't do that. But pleasing God is how you and I have been called to live. Living in such a way that what you and I do for Jesus, we do as if we're working unto the Lord. Doesn't matter what it is. Do it as if we're working unto the Lord. That thing that bothers you so much that you have been given to do at your job that you just don't like to do. Do it as if you're doing it unto Jesus. Jesus promises you a reward for that. And if it's so important to Jesus that we work right now as if it's going to be unto Him, then you and I ought to do it. We ought to serve joyfully and gladly, even if it is difficult, even if it is challenging, even if it is frustrating. Listen, you and I are living in the days of the gospel of ease. We're not living in the days of persecution and trouble like the New Testament church. We have it easy. And even in easy times, you and I, it becomes difficult for us to work as if we're doing it unto the Lord. But here in the early church, they were facing persecution and trouble, but yet they were still doing all that they had to do as if they were going it unto the Lord. They were filing their taxes as if they were doing it unto the Lord. They were serving King Jesus at the bank as if they were doing it unto the Lord. They were driving in traffic as if they were doing it unto the Lord. All the things that frustrate us and make us challenging, all those little moments that we think nobody in the world is going to see this, King Jesus does. And if we do it unto him, he promises a reward for it. There is a reward for working unto the Lord. Secondly, the Bible teaches us this over and over and over again throughout the New Testament. Jesus teaches it, but he capstones it in Matthew chapter 25. And he says this, that the king said to them, truly, I say to you that just as you did it to the least of these members of my family, you did it to me. You did it to me. And they were stumbled because here they were in the presence of Jesus and they were wondering, well, when were we in prison? Where, when did we feed the homeless? When, when did we do that to you? And Jesus said, you were with them. Every time you did it to them, you did it unto me. There is a reward for serving the least. And it is so much so a reward among all of the rewards that Jesus said that I myself stand before them as their defender. I myself stand alongside of them in their agony, in their turmoil, in their affliction. And I am with them in their present moment. And every time you give them a cup of cold water, every time you serve them a meal, every time you go and visit them in prison, every time you go through your closet and clean out your clothes and give it to someone else, you did it unto me. And Jesus promises a reward for that. And isn't it an amazing thought to know that one day when you and I are standing before eternity and we are going to establish one day, listen, just encourage this, this somebody here today, that we're going to wonder, you know what, I had this coat in my closet and I almost threw it away thinking, who's going to wear this? But instead I took it to someone who I knew and needed it. And you know what, Jesus promises a reward for that type of behavior. 
Jesus promises a reward for serving those who are in the least of these positions. Jesus promises a reward for cooking meals for people who cannot cook a meal for themselves. Jesus promises a reward for helping those who are in a position where they can't get around, but yet you come alongside of them and help them anyways. Jesus promises a reward for those who nobody knows in your family, nobody knows around you, but you decided one day that you were going to take out a $100 bill and help somebody and bless them and encourage them. And you know what? There's a reward for that. And you'll notice that in the kingdom of heaven, what is, in God's, what is important in God's economy is how you and I love people, how we care for others, how we serve Jesus. And this is one of those ones that is so important to Jesus that he himself said, you did it directly to me. You did it directly unto me right now where I'm at. And I just want to encourage you today that in the midst of our world that is focused on uh, our economy and gas prices and all of these things, I just want to encourage you today that what is really important to King Jesus is how we care for the least of these. What is really important to King Jesus is how you and I pray for those Ukrainian refugees who are in the least of these places. They have nowhere else to go, but we pray God protect them. Maybe God uses us to contribute to some means of providing for them. However it is, there's a reward for serving the least of these. And Jesus promises that. The Bible also teaches us this. in James chapter 1. He says this, Blessed is anyone who endures temptation, and such a one has stood the test, and, listen to this, will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. Revelation teaches us this, that be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. This is one of those rewards that oftentimes we may have never thought there's a reward for. When you're going through something difficult and you're enduring it and you're just continuing to be faithful to the Lord, can I just encourage you today? Jesus promises a reward for that. Jesus promises a reward for perseverance. Because Jesus himself, the Bible teaches us that he was afflicted in every way like you and I have been. He knows how difficult it is. He knows how challenging it is. He himself endured it in a greater way that you and I cannot possibly imagine. And he knows exactly the challenges that come along with suffering. So therefore, he promises to reward perseverance because he knows that when you and I are still loving him despite it all, in spite of it all, that is pleasing unto Jesus. And Jesus not only promises a reward, he promises a crown. He promises a crown. What's the difference between a reward and a crown? Well, if you take note of the queen of, of, of England, she wears a crown. It, it denotes her royalty. It denotes that she is someone of significance and importance. There's a lot of people walking around us. They might have rewards in their, their, on their trophy cases at home, but nobody sees it. Nobody knows about it. But there's something about a crowd that stands out among the public that people recognize and know that's a person of significance. And Jesus promises to promote those and cause them to be someone of significance in the kingdom of heaven that is willing to persevere. So much so that when you and I and in all of eternity, he promises a crown of life. So much so that he says those are the type of people that I will gladly call my sons and daughters of the king, gladly call royalty, gladly say they are associated to my direct line that goes all the way back to David. 
There is a reward for perseverance. And, I, and all of that to say this morning that if you are in troublesome times, if you are in difficult times, you are going through things that you never thought you would have to go through, you are dealing with stuff you never thought you had to deal with, can I just encourage you today? Keep going. Keep running. As Paul told the church, he said, let us run this race with perseverance. Let us run this race with perseverance. Don't give up because Jesus says, blessed is anyone who endures it. Blessed, be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And that leads us to the next reward Jesus promises there in Matthew chapter 6. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but you can read it sometime. He tells them three things. He tells them when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. Do not do it for a public reward. I'm paraphrasing. He says this, but your father who sees in secret will reward you. Your father who sees in secret will reward you. You know, you want to know what else God's going to reward? He's going to reward faithfulness. Listen, when you and I stand before King Jesus, he isn't going to reward us for all the accolades that we accomplished in life. He isn't going to reward us for the promotion that we got at our job. He isn't going to reward us for how, how well we did on, on some test that we're worried and anxious about right now. The thing that King Jesus is going to reward us is even unto death were we faithful in how we served him. Even when nobody else was looking, even when no one else could see it, how were we faithful in how we give, prayed, and fast, and desired a relationship with Jesus. And even in those moments... It's an investment into eternity. Even in those moments, it's not up on the stock market. There's no bell being rung at the end of the day. Nobody's applauding and saying how well and great you did. But in it all, in all of eternity, the thing that Jesus promises to reward is that when you were praying, when you were fasting, and when you were giving and no one else saw it, the Father saw it, and He promises a reward for it. That ought to encourage us today to pray, give, seek the Lord like we've never done before because in eternity there is a reward for those type of people. C.S. Lewis has said this, that if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in and aim at earth and you will get neither. Isn't that so true uh, based upon what Jesus teaches us? That what Jesus wants to reward is faithfulness to him. How well we just gave ourselves to him every day. How well we just spent time with him, loving his presence. Oh, how I, I was reminded recently how there was just beautiful time of prayer and how the Lord just reminded me of the sweetness there is to just be with Jesus. And even in those moments where we're not praying for anything specifically, there's no agenda in prayer, but just being with the Lord and how the Father promises, even in those moments, when you're just here with me, there's a reward for that. There's a reward for that. Listen, when I was in, uh, uh, I did sports until I was about six years old when I had a choice. And after that, I decided never again. And so I played uh, t-ball. Boy, that's an easy game for me, right? Put it on a stick, and even then I missed a few times. And you know what? At the end of it all, guess what I got? I got a trophy. Why did I get a trophy? Because I participated, because I was a part of the team. And you know what? There's this kind of this like a commentary that's critical of those type of trophies that maybe they shouldn't get a trophy. They didn't really do anything. They were just a part of the team. But I want to encourage you, in the kingdom of God, that's how God thinks. 
that when you are faithful to serving and loving and just being part of the team and doing all that you know to do, God promises us a reward for that. He promises to reward faithfulness to God. And lastly, I want to leave you with this. This is the one that just touches my heart so much when I think about you and I standing before the Lord and King Jesus. And we talked about the table the other week and the banquet that's going to happen there. But Paul tells Timothy, and this is believed that Paul was writing this to Timothy as he was in prison about to be delivered to death. And here is Paul on his last letter that he's going to write, on his last win that he's going to say, and, and you just this, this really speaks volumes to me when I think about, here's Paul telling Timothy, maybe the last thing he knows he's going to tell Timothy. And he tells him this in 2 Timothy 4.8. From now on, there is reserved for me. Paul didn't say it's going to be given to me. He says it's already reserved. It's already got a spot. It's just waiting to be handed to me. The crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give on me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This might seem like the most insignificant reward of them all to us, but this is the most significant reward of them all to Jesus. And that is simply loving Jesus. There is a reward for loving Jesus. There is a reward for saying, Lord, in all the things that I've accomplished in life, none of them I have apart from you, and nothing more in this world do I love more than you. And Paul tells Timothy, even his words on his last breath, on his final run, that there is a reward for those who long for his appearing, who long for Jesus, who have got it down in their soul. You, you can give me riches and gold. I don't want all of that. You can talk about bigger houses, better cars, better jobs. I don't want that. The thing that I want most is Jesus because I know that the thing that my soul truly needs to be satisfied isn't anything I can acquire in this world. It will go in a moment but the thing that will truly satisfy me is Jesus and Paul tells Timothy there is a reward for that and I want to encourage you today that you might think that your relationship with Jesus is just something that is here momentarily it changes but Jesus promises a reward for faithfully loving him every day of our lives for getting up in the morning and just opening up our hearts and saying Jesus I love you Jesus I praise you that is the type of thing that Jesus looks down upon and says I will reward that because you did what I taught you you love the Lord your God with all of your heart soul mind and strength and you loved your neighbor as yourself and you know the thing that is most amazing about this reward is that that when we get it in our heart that there's a reward for loving Jesus, loving others becomes easy. When you and I get it down in our soul that I'm going to love Jesus with everything I've got, loving others is easy because that's what's important to Jesus. That's what's important to God. And when we love Him, what is important to God becomes reflected unto us. And I want to encourage you today and just encourage you in the midst of a world that is worried about economic status, economy, and all of these things today, that there are rewards that are mounting up even now. 
Listen, you and I, we might dump money into retirement. We might dump money into stock markets. And we don't even know if it's going to be promised to us. But listen, the type of life that you and I live right now for Jesus, it is promised to us. And we ought to do it with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We might not be people of success or stature according to the world standards. But according to God, you and I are going to discover in eternity that the people who seemed like, they seemed like the poorest of the poorest. They seemed like people of no stature or might are the people that Jesus promises they are going to be great in the kingdom of heaven they are the type of people that Jesus promises the reward to all of these say and show us how are you and I loving God and loving others will you stand with me as the musicians come and I want to leave you with this Revelation chapter 2 teaches us this, this final thing we're talking about rewards, talking about our life and serving the Lord. I just want to encourage you, my brother, my sister in Christ, who's going through a hard time today and you're wondering, what, if, what am I doing for the Lord? Does it matter? Is it significant? Am I accepted? Am I loved? Listen, don't listen to the, what the world's teaching us right now. Listen to what Jesus is teaching us. This is what Jesus promises us in Revelation chapter 2. To the one who is victorious. Oh, don't we all need victory here today? And to the one who does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Did you catch that? The type of people who the world would never have given authority to, would have never put in positions of power to the one who does the work of Jesus unto the end. I'll give authority over the nations and I will also give that one the morning star. You say to me, Charlie, why do I want a star? I can go buy a star right now. Have my name, look up in the sky. There's a star that was named after me. But listen, the morning star is not just any star. The morning star is Jesus. I, Jesus, am the bright morning star. And according to Jesus, he wants to give us the greatest reward of all. And the greatest reward of all is King Jesus. There is no reward like Jesus. There is no reward like being in the presence of Jesus and all that we ever wanted in life is given to us right in that moment. When you think about what's, what does it mean to be given Jesus? You think about your life and the struggles and the things you went through. We, the struggle with sin and coming and, and trying to get a gain and foothold in life and a longing for something better. All of those things Jesus promises out of you. He is the river of life. He is the bread come down from heaven. He is the door. He is the way. He is all that you and I ever needed. And if that is all that we ever needed, what greater reward could ever be possibly offered to us? Listen, when you and I, I, I know there's going to be streets of gold. I know there's going to be jasper and onyx and all of those beautiful stones. I know that there are going to be sights unimaginable. But listen, when you and I get before heaven, the greatest reward, the greatest thing that our eyes are going to be upon is King Jesus. And there is nothing like it. There is nothing like even now realizing that that reward is available right now to you and I. That Jesus promises to those who would call to him that he will answer, that he will be with us. This is why he endured the disciples. Don't you forget it. I'm with you even unto the end. 
Don't be forsaken. Don't be mistaken. I'm always with you. As a matter of fact, I want you to know that I'm with you so much. So I'm going to give you my spirit because there is no greater reward in our life even now than a life-giving relationship with Jesus. There is nothing better. Listen, gold melts. Cars break down. Houses, they can fall apart. But King Jesus, all that we ever needed, He feeds our souls. And so this morning, can we close our eyes today? And can I just encourage you this morning to do like the parable, like the parable taught us not to do. Don't worry about being rich in this world. Worry about being rich towards God. Allow God to fill our hearts and soul with perseverance, faithfulness, serving others, loving Jesus with all that we have. And therefore, there has been promised unto you a great reward. Listen, you might think nobody saw what you did. Jesus saw it, and Jesus promises a reward. So don't worry about what others think. Jesus has seen it, and He promises this morning. This morning, can we just open up our hearts to King Jesus in fresh love towards Him? Maybe you want to come stand here at the front this morning. Lord Jesus, maybe you're having a hard time persevering. That's why we have the church. They gather around you and help you pray. Be persevere. Be faithful unto the end. Come this morning. Let's pray today. Let's call to Jesus today. Jesus, we love you today, Lord. God, there's no greater...